Kevin and Mike are here to give you great news. Nice. Hey, and welcome back to Great News. Great News, yeah. With, with Kevin Ryder and with uh, Mike Catherwood. That's me. Are you ready? <clears throat> yes, we're ready. Intro, the show's about to begin, bro. So put a smile above your chin, bro. Yeah, say hello to the happy goodbye to the blues, cause Kevin and Mike are here to give you great news. Uh, there's a lot of uh, negativity around, so we just focus entirely on great news for this podcast. Um, and the first one that I would like to talk about is COVID-related, of course. Um, an Illinois husband and wife were both admitted to a hospital separately. They didn't know it immediately, but right. they were um, Masako Martinez is 86. <laughs> Those two names don't go together. Well, that's correct. Yes. <laughs> um, 86 years old was admitted to St. Elizabeth's Hospital with oh. COVID-19 mm. on January 22nd. Her husband, 93-year-old Frank Martinez, oh. was admitted to the hospital as well, separately from her. She wasn't aware that he had COVID. Um, Mr. Martinez is a veteran of World War II. Jeez. And the Korean War. Dude. And the Vietnam War. Dude. All three. You know, Dennis Leary had that old joke about how only amazing rock stars die of you know what I'm saying? Like, like Joplin, the bad ones. Joplin Hendrix, dead. But you could put Motley Crue in like a, a, a room full of heroin and they'd be like, <laughs> oh, it's making a greatest hits album. Like, and how come like the wife beating scumbag will go on COVID free, just fine. Korean War, World War II veteran, COVID at night. Like, come on, yeah. God, be better. So they're separately uh, in the hospital, and um, a nurse named Kim Presson and another nurse named Ham Hamma Schlemmer uh, <laughs> made a plan. They decided that they were going to arrange a dinner night oh. for both of them to bring him into her room and have a dinner night. Please tell me you don't have pictures or videos, because I will cry. I have video of the nurse, Kim Presson, okay. talking about bringing them together. Okay. As soon as we rolled him into her room, the first thing he said was, oh, sweetheart, you look beautiful. And of course, my heart exploded. Um, and they were very, we had, you know, arranged the room so that he was able to sit next to her. Okay, hold on. And they hold on. Um, look at her. She's having trouble. She has a breathing tube yeah. on her face. She has all kinds of monitors everywhere. And he walks in and he says, oh, honey, you're beautiful. Like, like he's able to see past all of that clearly to the person. He, prob he probably legitimately is. And by the way, I don't, how, I'm not saying anything about her, but how god darn good does he look for 90-something? 93. Going through two wars. Three wars. He was in Vietnam as well. Oh, my God. <laughs> Dude, if he was in World War II, by the time he made it to Vietnam, he had to be like 50-something. Yeah, maybe. Wow, what maybe. a great human. And look, he looks awesome. Yeah, I agree. Go ahead. Let's continue. They were immediately holding hands, and, and it was very, very sweet. We were able to set up their dinner so they could eat side by side, and they spent about two and a half hours watching uh, news and game shows together. Oh. So they both kind of have a sweet tooth. It was pretty cute. Um he ate her pudding, and what? she drank his little mini shake. What? Um, Whoa, time out. Time out. Time out. 
I thought it was just like, okay, that's hysterical when he ate her pudding. No, they but really followed it up with his little mini shake. Yes. <laughs> Look, he's 93. He can only was get it a, a mini shake. shake? Creamy shake? Can was you, it full of protein? Can you go back to that part? Please, please? play it again. Like 10 seconds before, it all turns into sexual innuendo, yeah. which is really odd. Both kind of have a sweet tooth. It was pretty cute. Um, he ate her pudding, and she drank his little mini shake. Um, <laughs> that is nice. It doesn't say if the nurses gave him some privacy or not, but look, it does. Like it's a I beautiful didn't think story. There was something that can make this story better, but I'm so like this story. Everything about it makes me smile. <laughs> he ate her pudding. Let's continue. Um, so they swapped up. One liked chocolate, and one liked vanilla. Oh then yeah. Frank asked for one like chocolate, right? One like vanilla. Sure. They brought in Big Jim Dandy. <laughs> Come in and give her the BBC. <laughs> For an extra ice cream cup, which I was what? very happy to oblige with. We very rarely have these opportunities with um, the COVID pandemic to celebrate or feel joy or have these happy moments. So being able to do this for this couple was equally as therapeutic for us as it was for them. Again, nurses. Yeah. Unbelievable that they recognize this couple been together 63 years. You would think... They would both say, you know what? Let me have my let me have some peace here just for a second. <laughs> I, I I'm yeah. crazy, right? This is a beautiful story. It really it chokes me up in all the right ways. And again And all the wrong ways as well. In yeah, one report. Yeah. I also got a little bit of a boner poking <laughs> through my denim. Um <laughs> these two people, that type of love makes you feel so good. Also take into consideration how willing these nurses were to just go above and beyond to make someone yeah. else's day. It's like really people, there's a reason why this show I think is important. And I'm not saying that to pat ourselves on the back, but this is the world, this yes. stuff. Okay. I agree. And they cherry pick all and the this stuff is going on every day, all, all over the United day. States. And we, you know, the mainstream media kind of, and I'm not, that guy i'm not shitting on the mainstream media they have a, a obligation to get ratings to pay for a advertisers and all that i get it it's a job it's a business but because of that they cherry pick all these horrible little bits of divisiveness and anger and they and they this vomited on us this is reality yeah you know so that, that's a beautiful story man another beautiful story when you when you uh kind of following up on my my last point about this being reality uh, people have this idea of professional fighters, okay? It's like these- They're animals. Animals, these yeah. violent, you know, really uh, callous people. And in many ways they are, um, they do have a toughness and a, and a switch that we don't have. But I, I know this firsthand. I've trained with a lot of people who make a living beating people up and Same. getting beat up. And they're almost always, of course there's exceptions, but they're almost always some of the nicest, most- um, giving and 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 uh very very like personable people which you would not expect no i from... would think that they would be intimidating yeah yeah all and, the um, time like not able to turn it off dustin poyer uh who has now deservedly reached i think a a a respectable level of fame by knocking out conor mcgregor a couple weeks ago just for 20 years has been a really exceptional human being. He and his wife, um, they were high school sweethearts 
And this isn't this story, but I wanted to highlight it because I actually tried to find this story, but I couldn't. And I saw it on Brendan Schaub's uh, food truck diaries where he goes to food trucks and interviews fighters. Dustin was talking about how before he became interim title holder uh, for beating up uh, uh, Max Holloway, he was talking about his life and how, what his wife meant to him. And he, he talked about a story where they drove somewhere super far. He's from Louisiana for one of his amateur fights and he, and he didn't win and it wasn't a good performance. And he's like, I'm giving, I gotta give up on this. You know, I'm beat up my body. And his wife's like, no, 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 no. You're going to be world champion and I'm going to, you're not giving up. I'm here for you. We're going to get through this. It doesn't matter that we're broken, blah, 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 blah. And it, it, it really did bring a tear to my eye while I'm sitting watching the show. And so then I do this uh, investigation into Dustin and you realize like he is this guy from a really, uh, a really tough place in, in Louisiana. And he has a charity that has been giving tremendous amounts of money and, and time and effort back to his community that he came from. Well, all of a sudden, because of, he's known in that part of Louisiana as being this philanthropic person, he hears about a story from uh, Make-A-Wish Foundation. And look where it takes us. Watch this. Adrenal leukodystrophy is a genetic brain disorder where the uh, sheaths around the nerve cells in your brain deteriorate and do not develop again. And so uh, he deteriorated quite a lot. He's, uh, he lost his vision uh, he lost his hearing, and he lost his ability to move around. The blessing of this disease is he didn't know he was sick. So while he would trip and fall, he would laugh. And I think his easygoing, carefree spirit enabled him just to smile in spite of it. The disease was swift and unrelenting. Within six months of his diagnosis, Aaron would be confined to a wheelchair. Six years old. In November of 2016, the Make-A-Wish Foundation contacted the Hill family in the hopes of granting Aaron an unforgettable wish. Aaron wished to have a playground, a special needs playground built uh, for the other children, especially the children in his class. It just reminded us again that he cares about other people a lot more than he cared about himself. 11 months later, Aaron Hill died without ever seeing his wish fulfilled. That dream lay dormant until this past spring, when Dustin and Jolie heard Aaron's story. She called and said, do you mind? Dustin would like to build this playground and fulfill Aaron's wish. And we just assumed it just wasn't gonna happen. So we were thrilled when she reached out. Aaron's dream, I'm trying to get emotional. It's just selfless, you know? It's just a beautiful dream for a six-year-old kid to have to want to see everybody benefit, you know? Could have said he wanted to go to Disneyland or he wanted to meet his favorite actor. That's, that's it, man. It's powerful. In August of 2019, Aaron's playground was installed at Prairie Elementary. Children from his school now play in Aaron's dream. Dustin Poirier knows how special those moments can be. Having a daughter and going to the playground often with her, 
I see how much it means and I see how much fun she has and, and how much she enjoys being out there. It's important, man. That's part of their growth. That's part of their development. I'm just happy. I'm very, very happy the father. to see children benefiting from the love that my son has had. And I am happy because my son is honored. Every school has a playground, but specific playgrounds for special needs kids, they're not at every school. Hopefully that'll be there forever for him and his family and his dream can live on. I'm sorry to say that we are not MMA fans, and I was a bit cautious that my son's name would be connected to a fighter. But once I met him, I realized he's an amazing man. He's a gifted athlete, but he also has a heart and a compassion for helping others. So what an honor to have Aaron's name connected with Dustin. Pretty awesome, right? Wow. Yeah, I, uh, that, one, that one gets me every time. You sort of assume that that part of emotional, that emotional part of a fighter's heart is beaten to the back. Like yeah. it's not there anymore. It can't be because he has to go in and fight. I, I think that that's a, a reasonable thing to assume, but I also think like a lot of them, like Dustin and his wife, have children of their own. Yeah. And that changes everything. Because for me, my daughter's six, just like that young boy. And that was what uh, it just it destroyed me when you hear, you know, the Make-A-Wish Foundation's unbelievable. Yeah, agreed. But normally and justifiably when they come to a young kid and they say, hey, we know the end is near. We want to do whatever you can. The kid goes, I want to meet The Rock. Yes. I would love to go to yes. Disney World. You know, and I would still say that. <laughs> <laughs> um, for instance, I, I pulled this story and I talked to my daughter about it. And I go, if you had the Make-A-Wish Foundation, what, what would you ask for? She goes, a giraffe and a pink car. And I go, okay, good. I, I think, think that's normal. Yes. This kid asked for a wow. special needs playground to be built. For, not for him, for knowing he friends. was going to die. And uh, that, that just, I, I thought, what a, all around, again, what a beautiful story that highlights how good people can be. What a terrible story, but then was made beautiful by everybody involved yep. in that story. Yep. Um, mine is a, uh, my next one is a boy that's 10 years old. So mm. he's, he's a little bit older, four okay. years older. He's in Rhode Island, and Monday afternoon, evening, 10-year-old Christian Stone and his mom wanted to say thanks to the nurses at the local hospital. Okay. And it was snowing like crazy. So 10-year-old Christian goes out and cleans off their cars. So at the end of the day, when the nurses come out, their car is cleaned off oh. and they can drive home. It's something that's so simple, doesn't cost the kid anything. And watch this video. While well, helping those who have spent the last year helping others, while healthcare workers were inside Rhode Island's Westerly Hospital during the Nor'easter, 10-year-old Christian Stone was outside clearing snow from their cars. In a couple of hours, he cleaned about 70 cars. Christian says he came up with the idea after the last snowstorm and just wanted to help hospital workers get home to their families faster. How sweet is that? It's, that's really beautiful. And a lot of times, and I think rightfully so, I'll at least focus on the parents and say, amazing, right. right? Something went right for that 10-year-old along the way where he learned to give to people who need it. Right. And we're not talking about, <laughs> we're not talking about washing cars in Southern California. Correct. Do you know what <laughs> New England winter? I don't. Is, and that, I don't want to. That is 
a horror show for that little kid to be like, oh, I'll get out there. Let me, let me no, I'm a, I'm a California person. I do not need that. And by the way, so we normally say the parents are amazing. His mom was quoted, and I want to read this because I want to get it right. It sucked. <laughs> I hate the snow, but I was out there because this is what he's passionate about. I did it because he wanted to do it. It's a great feeling. Um, it sucked. You hate the snow? Yeah, well, is that where you settle down? You know? I mean, I would think you would hate the snow because look at it. Yeah, here's another thing. You had a dinosaur. There's still snow. Growing up here in L.A. and living here in L.A., I always, for my whole life, have her. And I'm not trying to say that there's anything wrong. I actually love pretty much everywhere in America I've ever been. I love, I love uh, everywhere in Florida and Nashville. And, you and like that? South. I love, I love New England. And there's a guy out there without a shirt? I love New England. I love the Midwest. I love it. I do. But fuck you. <laughs> Because everyone who's from Boston or, or uh, Wisconsin or Minnesota, they always do the, yeah, yeah you, you got great weather out there, but you miss out on the seasons. Yeah. Okay, here's my thing. The animal of human being is capable of living there because of the advent of parkas and heaters and everything. But None of which we, that guy's using. If we're, if we're being honest, the animal of Homo sapien lives there and fucking dies. Okay. Like a bird flies south, humans are supposed to be in Santa Monica and Africa. Couldn't agree with you more. Okay, so don't give me what you're doing out there. I'm not bothering you, but don't come at me with the, this is, it's better this way. No, it's not. You're you're fighting your DNA. Thank you. Fall and spring, maybe. Yeah. Winter, hell no. Winter, make your way to to Boca Raton or whatever. (laughs) Um, Kevin, dogs... We've talked about many times. Amazing. They love. provide us so much joy and happiness. Love, love, love. Uh, dogs, oftentimes, even when they're fixed, even when they know that the uh, receiver of the love is fixed, uh, they like to hump. They do. Okay. And I wouldn't think to bring in a video here for good news of just a dog humping. You would, by the way. I would. First of but all, it, you would. It, but it's not, it's not anything special. You know, it's like okay. a dog eating. For me, it's like a dog drinking water. You go, oh, yeah, but it's a dog coming. Right. This dog orgy. I'm sorry? Is so off the chain dope. This is like hedonism for, for dogs. This is the Hedo Rick of dogs is right here. Check this out. This look. <laughs> oh yeah, you got that out? You, I got this side. I'm gonna lie down on my back and just get my wiener up there for some action. Or maybe my, my, my lady parts. You go ahead. Keep going. They, they goes, and then they they like switch it's like a porn. Look at Wagging that tail like, oh, yeah, yeah, I like that. That's a four-dog orgy. I love the guy lying on his back. I don't feel like the one that's receiving is having fun. You might be right. No. You might be right. But there's, look, I looked, I I did the zoom. There's no lipstick there. So he's just, it's just, this is an exercise. This is, look at the guy lying there. Look at the lady or guy. He's like, yeah, yeah, I like that. I'm just going to lie here. You guys do your thing. Then now they're doing doggy centipede. (laughs) <laughs> Tell me this doesn't bring a smile to your face I mean it does Except for the bottom dog It's not having fun The receiver but Yeah it's, I do enjoy the guy laughing though. Maybe Maybe you're right But don't you think a dog would try to like run away If it yeah. wasn't yeah. yeah So maybe yeah. it's like Oh this is good uh, That's dog centipede I mean, right there If I had that happen to me as a human I'd be like Oh this is pretty sweet <laughs> <laughs> Well, that is great news. Yes, thank you. Um, a Utah man, 
Wait, I'm sorry. Am I supposed to do one more? Yes. Okay. Thank you. Uh, Utah man <laughs> invited homeless people to live on his front yard. He said, you know what? I know you don't have anywhere to go. It's winter in Utah. It's cold. So go outdoors in my front yard? So, like, that doesn't seem exactly like... No, so a guy named Darren Mann sort of gave them a, a safe space to live okay. on his lawn. Watch this. There's a lot of uh, <clears throat> downtime. Damn, man. Tents in the front yard is what we're looking at. That's rough. Oh, my gosh. They're like 10 or 12. It's the owner of the home. Oh, my gosh. I think that, I think he's talking. I think we're missing out on audio. <laughs> I do. You don't really need it. Honestly, you get to see. He's uh, saying they need some place to go. And if the state isn't, this is exactly what he's saying. If the state isn't going to take care of them, we can. That's what he's saying. Dude, I, I am so moved by this because I live amidst a, a just a heartbreaking um, homeless situation in Venice, California. And I, part of, a part of me wants to do something like this, but it's so dangerous and you don't I, know who you're, I mean, I and so, so for too. them to take that kind of risk is just such a giving and, and we've been doing pretty good here. Um, we actually put our addictions here. Right, right, right. Yeah. So hold it's up. It's been a blessing. I don't know if you heard that. We actually quit our addictions here. Is what she said. Dude. Both of them. Both of them were able to quit their addictions once we got the audio fixed. <laughs> well, that also goes to show you, like, aside from just what they're doing for the homeless, letting people know, by and large, people who have never sh had someone show that they care. Yeah. Showing that you care for someone can, can completely create a uh, be the impetus for a metamorphosis in yeah. their life it really is that's a beautiful story man thank you for bringing that in you know what else is beautiful mr rogers okay all i mean not anymore but yeah no he's he's uh he's in heaven um but uh mr rogers was more than just that kind of dorky guy who wore cardigans and and sang songs to little kids he was a man who really made it his life's purpose to help people. This is a guy who's sleeved and was a sniper he is an assassin. in the military. <laughs> <laughs> um, but he, he, it really wasn't a facade. He, you know, ever since he's passed away, more and more info comes out about him. And it just everything that comes out, you realize like this was a truly special human being. And um, do you remember the, uh, the police officer character on Mr. Rogers? Yes. I'll get it. Um, that was a gunshot right on, <laughs> right on cue. He was a uh, African-American fella and a gay man. And, you know, for the first three or four decades of Mr. Rogers, neither of those uh, a picnic yeah. here in this country. Still, yeah. in many ways, not a picnic. But back then, super not a picnic. And Mr. Rogers... So without, you're saying it was super not a picnic? Yes. <laughs> it was, you know, you're talking about two cultures yeah. um, that are that have had a, a really, really uh, torturous history here in this country and two cultures that continue to struggle. Um, 
And Mr. Rogers, without making a point of it, without any agenda, always made it his job to make sure that this gentleman felt comfortable. And uh, here, here is that guy, the, the guy who played the uh, police officer, talking about what Mr. Rogers did. Enter Francois Clemens. Francois Scarborough Clemens. Hell yeah. And his role as Officer Clemens made him one of the first recurring black characters on a children's TV show. When I started, there were two, three shows, period, on television that employed a black character. Francois grew up during the civil rights movement wow. and times of great racial tension in the U.S. So when Fred asked me to be a police officer, Fred, are you sure? Do you know what policemen represent in the community where I was raised? And then he started talking about children needing helpers and the positive influence that I could have for young children. My heart opened as I listened to him. He accepted the role not knowing he would end up playing Officer Clemens for 30 years. And one of his most memorable scenes is also one of his favorites. There are many ways to say I love you. It's a very big deal for me to be putting my feet in the water with Fred. During a time of segregation, the symbolism wasn't lost on Francois. To say that he uh, didn't know what he was doing or that he accidentally stumbled into integration or talking about racism or sexism, that's not Mr. Rogers. It was well planned and well thought out, and I think it was very impactful. There are many ways to say I love you. That impact was felt by many, but for Francois, it was personal. I was in the studio one day. That particular day, he was filming the end of the show, and when he got to the part, he said, you make every day a special day. You know how? By just your being you. And I swear it was like, just looking right into my eyes. And when the music stopped, I said, Fred, were you talking to me? And he said, yes, I have been talking to you for years, but you heard me today. Come on. Wow. Mr. Rogers. That's what I'm talking about. You made me cry, Mr. Rogers. <laughs> it was funny when I pulled that video, I was looking at the comments and this guy says, I'm an atheist, a serious atheist, and even I know Mr. Rogers came from heaven. <laughs> <laughs> that is, that's an amazing story. Yeah, that's I a, did not realize story. that he was so on the forefront of that. And uh, he was, and uh, for, for gay rights, for uh, black rights, for, for women's rights. And uh, the, the beautiful thing, in my opinion, about it is that he didn't go at the end of every episode. And he's like, and that's why it's important to care for black people. It was just yeah. it just existed. And, and he let he let you uh, soak that in to interpret it. And uh, I thought that that was that what made beautiful. it so beautiful. That, Kevin, is great news. Is it time for an outro? Yes, it is. It's an outro. You know what I'm talking about, bro. Yeah, so say hello to the happy goodbye to the blues Cause Kevin and Mike just gave you all the great news Check it out now Kevin and Mike are here to give you great news Nice